The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hi, welcome to The Bike Goes On. This is Brian Casey with Sandra Bernstein, of course, my really, really good friend. <laughs> That's a good thing you said that, buddy. That's good right. And, you said that. And you know, our, our guest today, so the, the first reason we wanted to have him on is because I thought it was great that when we had um, Chef John Ash on, God, it's been like over a year now, I guess. Seriously. Um, and, and we were talking to him about fine dining. And, and at the end of the show, I just asked him, you know, if, if people out there asked you what was, where it was one place that you would go for dinner. And he was talking about how he's just not into going to like seven course tasting menus or any of that crap anymore. He said, if I had one meal, I would go out to Casino Bar and Grill and that's where I would eat. And I was like, ooh, what's going on out there? Um, and then, you know, more recently, we've seen um, Mark has been doing meals for people in the hospitality industry, which is great. So I've been following him on Instagram. And and um, and also, he's a friend of a friend of the podcast, uh, Jen uh, Reichardt. Um, so I know, I, I figured he was a good guy. <laughs> so, so just in case you're just tuning in, we are visiting today with Mark Maliki. 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 Mark. Mark. <laughs> Chef Mark um, from Casino Bar and Grill in Bodega. And um, Mark, thanks so much for taking the time. Oh, for sure. I, I well, I have a lot of time. Also, <laughs> um, yeah. but Isn't no, I, yeah. 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 Thank you. Yeah. Because you're only serving out there, is it just Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Or are you doing? I'm, yeah, I'm there Fridays. The bar's open seven days a week, but I'm there on the weekend, those three days. And How did you land there? How did you find that gig? Well, I closed my restaurant and for a few months, not knowing what I was going to do. You know, like kind of tried a couple things out, and neither one were a well, good first fit. First, why did you close the restaurant, though? Um, be, what is that saying? For not too much business? <laughs> you know? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, I had had the little St. Rose in Santa Rosa. And it was a great spot. It was tiny. It was 500 square feet. And wow. Wow. My landlord raised my rent from $1,000 to $4,000. That and, is criminal. Yeah, and I only had, you know, like four or five tables. It was a tiny space, but it, it supported me. And I moved into a much larger space. And, you know, I had like a week and a half to, to decide. And in retrospect, it wasn't the best decision, you know, going from like, say, 18 seats to 90. You know, it was a huge jump. And, you know, it's a story that's happened a million times. You know, you're like, you have a lot more employees, a lot more, and, and it just was not the right. It's funny, I'm only five miles from there, even further west, but it's like a total gangbuster place. You know, it took time to build it up, but it's done well for me. Whereas the, the second, iteration of St. Rose in Sebastopol's space was not good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what happened is with, with, with the casino, I just, 
actually saw something on, I was looking on Craigslist, you know, what am I going to do, right? And there was an ad that was really intriguing because it wasn't an ad for a chef. It was for renting a kitchen space in a bar. And I was like, okay, what's this all about, right? And I drove out there and honestly, I've driven by the casino for years and years. I was always afraid to go in the place. I thought, what am I going to do? <laughs> and, um, and it just worked out where, you know, it was literally, and it is, it's a stove behind the bar, a two burner stove with a grill, a little flat top, and that's it. You know, and you have a, a little counter space and a blackboard. And uh, it's worked well now for going on 11 years. Wow, I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah, 11 years since October. Wow. Uh, and, um, you know, so is it kind of like your own restaurant within the bar? Like, do you need to, do you have a boss? I, I have a landlord. I have Evelyn Cassini who owns the bar. She's 93. She's owned it since she's 22 years old. Wow. Wow. 71 years. And she's there opening and closing the bar seven days a week. Still? Oh yeah, still, every, every day. She opens and closes, right? And sometimes during the day, she still even makes burgers. And uh, <laughs> she does all of the shopping for the bar, you know? Okay. Picking up all the liquor and all the essentials. And the beer is delivered, but all the liquor she still picks up. Ay, ay, wow. ay. Yeah, yeah. It's a real inspiration. I mean, I, I'm 61. So to work in a place with a 93-year-old, it's like, oh, good. I guess I got a few years left. Hopefully. Oh, my God. But how long has, has she... that place been in business uh, total? Total 81 years. She and her husband bought it from his brother. He, he opened it in 39. They bought it in 49 and have been there ever since. And always just been a, a bar. Bar and, um, you know, burgers, grilled cheese, hot dogs, things like that. Barbecue oysters on the weekend. Yeah. Well, the name, like the, sorry, Son, I was to say the name Casino, it's not actually a casino. No, it's derivative of the family name, Cassini, you know. Mm. Apparently, I guess in the 1930s, there were two. There was the big casino, which was in Bodega Bay and the little casino, which was in Bodega. So also like um, of, of, of um, that name too, casino, but there's never been any gambling or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, I like the name. I think it's, it's kind of cool. What, yeah. um, does she like your cooking? Do you ever feed her? Oh, yeah, um, she really does. She, she eats mm -hmm. my fruit a lot and um, I, I love her. I mean, we're just, yeah, we're really close. I mean, she, she's my friend, yeah. We're just, we're friends. We're just confiding in each other and great, great to have her there. Mm -hmm. Does she actually get behind the bar and make drinks and stuff? Oh, yeah. She, oh, oh, yeah. She oh, could do that running. thing where you, like, take a, a glass and just, like, shoot it down the bar and it lands <laughs> right in front of the person, like in the movies, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, no, she's a great bartender. Oh, that's amazing. Good for her staying out and about and healthy and doing it. She just got a puppy last month. 
You're kidding. No, a, um, what is it? A border collie terrier mix. So it has a lot of energy, right? And Who's hanging? Who's a bar animal now? Yeah, and I thought, this is so great. I mean, she's got a puppy. She's going to be around for a while. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. Well, Sandra, the greatest thing about Mark's menu is that it's not like you can go online and look at, like, like for the girl in the fig, you could go and see you guys have a static page that has, like, a menu. His menu changes every week. Right. So is it, and I've always wondered, is it just, like, I mean, I'm sure it's a, a number of different things, but is it pretty much, like, you know, you see something that's available and then you kind of create a menu around those particular items. Do you go to farmer's markets or do you just have friends that have gardens and stuff? It's a lot of farmer's markets. Every Thursday, Sunday, Marin farmer's market. It's also a few different farms that, that do deliver like piano farms and medium farms, some places out there, right? Um, it's like you say, it's many reasons. It's logistics. There's only one refrigerator, so there's nowhere to store anything in the week. So I spend, I work Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Wednesday is a really large shopping day. Thursday is mostly prepping. And then those other three days are service with augmenting with some more stuff because you run out of food, right? And the menus are, you don't, you can't because of the space, you're limited by the space that you can't do a lot during the service. So the type of food that you're making tends to be things that are either very long cooked, like braised or whatever that you just put on a plate or that are raw, that require very, very little to be done at the time, like right. topping off that a sea urchin and putting it on a plate or something like that, right? But you can't do, like I said, you have two burners, so there's not a stuff, not a lot going on in pans or sauteing mm -hmm. or anything like that. So, and I've learned that over the years. It's like what works best for that space. Well, you oh, had a history of catering, right? Oh yeah, I, yeah. And that, you know, I think that helps you to be adaptable. I mean, yeah. you, you never know. I mean, I've gotten smart over the years. I go and look at a space before I work in it to make a menu. But a lot of times you could show up and, you know, there's not even a kitchen or with catering in Sonoma or Napa. You're trying to create a kitchen in the middle of a vineyard that has no water, electricity, anything, right? So you become really flexible. Yeah. yeah. The, um, I, I'm like, I just pulled up your menu on Instagram right now. And I, I would be buying like one of everything. Oh, I mean, seriously, like the first one, buttermilk fried rabbit. Oh my God. That I just love rabbit and nobody makes rabbit anymore. Around. Yeah. Here. I like rabbit. It's, you know, the cool thing about the clientele that I get they're very open to trying anything. You know, a lot of people think, oh, you're in this tiny town. And it is, there's a lot of like ranchers and farmers and fishermen and stuff, but they're great at like, oh, I'll try that. You know, it's really cool. <laughs> like, 
which is awesome. I mean, I think that's like a total motivator for a chef, you know, where somebody is willing to, you know, trust that they're going to, they already love your food and they're going to trust you to try something they never tried. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's, um, I mean, your menu is really, you know, farm to table, ranch to table, sea to table. Um, you are really local, you know, local food, really good example of this. Oh, thank you. Here. Yeah. Yeah. You, you could do it here, you know, easily than you can other places for sure. I mean, we right. just have a lot available to us. Yeah. yeah. So what, what are you doing? Like Brian started to ask, um, before we started recording, where, what is happening? Are people taking drinks to go, taking their food to go? Are you guys doing rogue? They, it's interesting that everything has been to go. And then I guess it was not this past weekend, but the weekend before where it was like really hot out up there, which normally doesn't because it's foggy, but it was, everyone was in their trucks, like in the back of their trucks, <laughs> eating in the parking lot, you know? I mean, that was, um, at first I thought, oh no, I mean, what are they, what are they doing? But it's like, you know, where are they gonna go? The beaches are closed and they can't go to the beach. I'm sure they're going crazy just being at home. So they wanna sit in the parking lot, you know, and <laughs> eat a pork chop, why not? Yeah, know? exactly, exactly. Well, your menu is kind of, I think it's kind of changed a little bit since this happened. Like, didn't you used to have things that were a little more expensive and maybe a little, um, you kind of have to shift when you're doing mostly to-go food because you've got to things, you got to make things that kind of travel well, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I would say, like I said, everything on that menu will travel except that fried chicken just, but, or fried rabbit, but you can eat, you that. eat that in the car. Yeah, you're eating yeah. that in the car. Unless you get six of them and then, you know, you can't eat all six. But, yeah. yeah. oh, man. Yeah. Well, then it's cool. What, what Mark's doing is if you're in the service industry, and I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, if you're still not doing this, you can basically just show up and let him know that you're not working right now and he's happy to provide a meal for you. Oh yeah, if you're not working, you're not paying. I mean, yeah. yeah. It, um, Which is amazing. Yeah, I, I don't know, just something I want to do. I mean, I, I even said, who knows, maybe a month from now, I'll, I'll need it myself, you know? But, um, and yeah, I mean, and it, it both, it feels really good and it feels really crappy too that we've fed a lot of people already, you know? Oh. And, yeah. um, but yeah, that's, you know, as long as this is going on, you know, mm -hmm. I, mean, I mean, food in itself is not like super expensive. I, if you're not, if I'm giving somebody meatloaf, it's not going to put the bank or anything. Yeah. You know, a plate of food. I'm always able to do that, you know, yeah. and we try and other things that come up like fires or whatever, we're going to. We're gonna feed people. Yeah. yeah, we're doing um, Sonoma family meals right now, and last week we did about twenty three hundred meals. Jesus. Yeah, this week um, we got cut back to I think eighteen hundred meals, 
Um, I don't know if we're going to get cut back again, but for whatever reason, Sonoma Valley has a disappropriate amount of people that we're feeding compared uh -huh. to the rest of the county. Not the re There's like 9,000 meals a week going out, but in uh -huh. proportion to what our county is donating into it is pretty small compared to what we're feeding. And so this, with Sonoma Family Meals right now, we have an $8 stipend, um, you know, which, you know, we're not making a huge amount of money, but we're allowing people to get back to work and, you know, do, you know, feel the morale of all of it. For me, even though I'm not there doing it, makes you happy, feels like you have a purpose. And um, so just kind of, it's, it's definitely been helping us a lot. And it trickles down to all our purveyors. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that, that part has been great. I hope, I hope we can keep doing it through July. I don't think um, our situation is really going to change a whole lot. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, are you guys thinking about when they let diners come back in? Are you like starting to pull tables out, you know, for the six to eight foot distancing or? No, we're still just like a table blocking the door and we don't, Yeah. I mean, you can get food or you can get beer and wine to go. I mean, we have a liquor license, but we're not doing liquor. Yeah. You know, it just seems, I don't know. Not yeah. yeah, especially out on the coast. <laughs> I mean, we're on like driving and windy roads out there. Yeah. All that stuff. Like, no, yeah. you, that's no. responsible. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I honestly, I don't anticipate us opening anytime soon. Gradually. Yeah, that's how I, that's how I feel. Um, today, um, the governor is actually rolling out the restaurant requirements or proposed suggest i don't know if they're requirements or suggestions and then you have to deal with your county but that's happening today so it's like oh finally let us get some information at least what we're going to have to do and um we're doing to go we're doing some delivery we just got the truck out yesterday um, for the first time, we got the city to give us a use permit to park it in the city. So, I mean, our, the agencies are helping. They're trying to get people working, which uh -huh. is positive. But, you know, it, this virus is really scary stuff. And, you know, things that concern me also, it's like, I don't know if a waiter or busser or bartender should ever touch a used napkin again. Or I mean, or do you really want to put a fork in your mouth that's been in 50 other mouths over that week? I mean, it seems like there's a lot of things. We're just going to have to make crazy big changes for a while. You know? Yeah. It's until there's a vaccine, I guess. I mean, it's, I, I don't know. I just, I, it's I it's lived in New York City for many years and I, I just, I don't know, it just hits close to home in a lot of ways for me. Yeah, I mean, you know, things I wasn't really thinking about in New York for just people that live there is, you know, how many people have to go up an elevator to get to their house, you yeah. know, and no elevator is six feet wide. I mean, and there's been some really good reports about how the virus does outside versus inside 
and you know um it's just that constant level of uncertainty of not being able to see it of not knowing when you're going into danger and we're living in a place where it's like everything feels like danger and then you have the other people that think it's all fake and there's no danger even though the people are dying every day they they just want to go back out and eat yeah, yeah. I did a survey this week in our newsletter, and it was just a couple questions, just like, what have you been doing since this started? Are you getting to go? Are you cooking more? Are you getting a meal subscription? And then, um, you know, what's going to make you feel safe to go out and eat again? Well, this is unheard of for me, but I have over 400 responses. Uh -huh. um, which is amazing. Like, and I think one of the best parts of it, like people are like so grateful that I'm asking, like, you know, there's a lot of things in this thing that I'm not going near, you know, we're not putting up shower curtains in between the tables. We're not building greenhouses out back for two. Um, you know, there's a lot of wacky things, but you know, one thing that struck out is like, you know, salt and pepper on request, get rid of the, uh, you know, the shakers on the table. Like mm -hmm. it's every single little detail that you have to go. If you can't guarantee that someone's doing the right thing, then why, why put yourself in risk? I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm 100% agree. Yeah. I know, Brian, have you heard from the Fairmont any news lately? No, last, you know, I called last week just to um, check on paying for my health benefits. And actually, when I called the hotel, Edward Rowe, the general manager, answered the phone, which I thought oh, was funny because, right. I mean, you never get a general manager of a hotel to answer <laughs> right. the phone. You got to go I, through go through people, you know, right. to get, Hi, to, get Edward. to them. <clears throat> so, hi Edward. Yeah, that was great to uh, to have him answer the phone. I think he said there was him, a security person, um, someone from like um, you know, like a, a custodian or you know, someone basically to to clean stuff. But there was no guests, and I think originally we heard June first, but I I have a feeling that's that's not going to happen. And then you know, for me, I work in the fine dining restaurant you know, Sante, where we have a bar restaurant and then we have a, a pool bar as well where you can eat. And I'm thinking that'll probably be what opens up first is outside at the pool because the weather's going to be nice. If people come, they're going to want to hang out at the pool and you can keep people, you know, apart in their little cabanas or whatever. And then, you know, maybe the inside bar because you can spread people out a little bit because it's not like you know, in the restaurant, it's just like you were saying, Sandra, with your tables. I mean, everything is just so close together. And right. and then I don't know if people are going to want to eat, you know, fine dining. Do they want their psalm coming to a table with a face mask on and gloves and, um, you know, you're touching the bottle, who's touched the bottle, all that, just all that kind of weird stuff that, and, and more than that, I was thinking just not to, to, not to be able to see your, the person that's serving you smile. Right. which is like a big right. you know you know if you just no. see the eyes oh, sometimes plexiglass plexi you know plastic cloth 
That's so weird though. You know, when I'm out and I, when I'm wearing my mask out, I have to, my glasses get fogged up. So I have to put them on the top of my head and then, and then look at something and then put them back up. So if I'm just imagining those masks. It would just oh, be yeah, like, it would be, it would be like water droplets yeah. hanging and then yeah. people would really be freaked out. <laughs> that would be gross. Um, yeah. Are people going to actually want to swim in a pool? Um, so, you know, it's, it's, I heard someone ask that question. It's great to get all those, like those weird questions. I know um, Anderson Cooper on CNN and he has like Sanjay Gupta and they answer all those really weird questions that you don't think of. Like, can, if someone hands me a $20 bill, can I get it from touching the money or, and I, that was one of the questions someone asked is, can I go swimming in a, in this lake that's by their house? And they were like, well, yeah, you're, the virus doesn't live in the water, but if you're swimming, next to someone or you know what and i mean they're it's, breathing yeah it all has to do with contact so you know in the pool i mean you're already you know most of the time you're swimming in those hotel pools you're swimming in some in um, urine some bodily fluids yeah. probably anyway <laughs> um but but yeah i just don't know i don't i don't know what it's gonna look like i think for a while people are gonna do what you know what you guys are doing they're gonna be picking food up and getting food delivered and companies like the Grubhub and those kind of places are going to do really well for a while. And, mm -hmm. and if, and if people come, I, maybe it'll be business travel. I don't know. My wife's company has gotten real good at, um, you know, facilitating people staying at home and, um, and if, and as long as their work production doesn't um, fall too low, then I don't see why they would, you know, why would you bring someone back if they're doing just as good a job at home as they were doing in the office? For me, for I just exactly yeah. for now. Why? Yeah. Um, Mark, so where did you? I'm gonna like jump subjects totally. Brian, do you care? Mm -hmm. No, no, I think it's good. I got you know, <laughs> Mark. Rest. Yeah, I well, I, Mark, I do another podcast with um with some of my friends. It's it's about wine, and that's what we've had Jennifer on um before to talk about her raft wines. But we, and we, we've had Jim on. We've we had, had Jim, Jim on, on right on the food, yeah, yeah, the, the father daughter podcast was cool. Um, but we just we sort of switched, you know, that we it used to be us getting in a room together, opening up bottles of wine with a winemaker, and we'd all, you know, get a little buzz and have fun. And and then it really switched when we started doing these Zoom meetings. And um, so we started having on people like um, Esther Mobley, the you know the writer for the Chronicle, and Kathy Huhe, Forbes writer, and um, and we just are constantly talking about um, COVID. And so this week, I, I said to those guys, I said, you know what, I, I can't do it. I can't do it anymore. I can't come on and talk about um, the pandemic for, for an hour. So I said, let's do this. Let's, let's do, um, we're doing like a blind date podcast where we're each inviting two friends. It can be anyone. And but we're not telling the other guys who it is. And then we're coming on and we're not talking about disease at all. We're opening up some wine and we're just gonna drink wine and and be stupid and silly because I just I just can't do it anymore. So I so long story short, I'm happy for you to go talk about anything else, Sandra. <laughs> and yeah, I, okay, so this is what I want to talk about. Um, where did you first learn how to cook? Um my, my mom died when I was a kid, and I started cooking for my father at home. It was pretty much out of necessity. I mean, it was either that or we would be going to, like, McDonald's, like, 
every day. And he worked. I mean, he was, you know, he's like, I don't know how to do these things. It's like, I go out, I make money, I bring it home. I mean, you know, and he was very melancholic at the time. I mean, his wife just died, you know, my, along with my mom. And it's like, so it, it just became me out of necessity in a lot of ways, just like making dinner. And I mean, well, how how old were you, Mark, when that happened? Um, I was 11 when it happened. So yeah, like 11, 12 years old. When yeah, do you have siblings? Yeah, but they were older and one, my oldest brother was already married. So he was, uh, wow. so my other brother was like, moved out that year. You know, he got married that year. So it was just the two of us at that point. Wow. Dad and I. And, and where uh, were you living? In New Haven, Connecticut. I grew okay. Up in Connecticut. And then, you know, just one thing leads, you just start working in restaurants and, Mm-hmm. You know, then I moved to Manhattan when I was like 19, just started working in a bunch of places there and came out here and here I am, you know, so I've been doing this for like, what, like 50 years. Yeah, oh my God, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, um, who is you, who has been your, uh, this is a hard question for me, I can never get it, but who has been your biggest mentor? just uh, in cooking like probably like it's weird it's not like cooks i mean things that like chanel like gabrielle you know chanel i mean i remember as a kid and i saw her and it was an interview it was like i don't know i think it was walter cronkite or somebody and she mm-hmm. said that her whole philosophy to making clothes was never a button without a buttonhole. And it made so much sense. Like, why are you gonna put something on a plate that doesn't make <laughs> any sense, you know? And I just, I mean, I, I've never met her or anything like that, but that was something that just always stuck with me, you know, in like that whole period of like, very architectural, like giant crazy food. And yeah. Things like that, it's like, I never found it appealing really it's like it like form needs to follow function it just didn't make sense to me you know Mm -hmm. so um i think if i'm on an island i get one cookbook i'm only allowed one cookbook (laughs) okay good question (laughs) it's it's judy rogers zuni cafe such a brilliant i mean everything it's like you want to cook okay don't spend like a million dollars going to a cooking school. Right. Read this book for and everything that's in there that you need to yeah. know is there. I mean, just yeah, no, it's well done. Great, great yeah. book. You know. Yeah. Um, well, then, how did you get out here? I I came with I, I my wife at the time, right? She was from here, and I literally had never been west of Twelfth Avenue. I mean, I've never. and um, came on vacation and went back to New York and just kind of just fell in love with Sebastopol in this area, Sonoma County, and came back two months later and been here ever since. Wow. Wow. I I kind of, I I came 
Philly to LA, well, Philly to Arizona to Philly to LA to here, and just came on vacation for a couple days and was like, I'm moving. You ever eat at Lebec Finn? I never worked there. I never ate there. Well, I ate there, I ate there once, you George know. Perrier. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I might have, but not as a, like, oh my God, this restaurant was amazing. It wasn't, if I, I don't, actually, I don't know if I was ever there, which is really weird because I'd lived downtown in Philly, but uh -huh. I wasn't attracted to that kind of food. I, I went there and I felt like, um, I was a kid. This felt really intimate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's stuffy and it's yeah, yeah, yeah. formal and it's not French laundry formal, you know, and that's not always my thing either. Um, but yeah, but he was there. Formal. Yeah. Years and years and years. Yeah. Did you, are you self-trained, self-taught? Yeah. Just working. Yeah. That's awesome. So no school. No need. No, I mean, we had, I went to a high school, it was a trade school that had like cooking class. Oh, nice. It was more like very institutional, like taking mm -hmm. frozen pizza out of boxes and yeah. eating <laughs> kids. I mean, that's what you did. You fed yeah. the school, actually. You know, mm -hmm. but not, I mean, it's all just from restaurants. You know. Yeah. Are there, are there things that, um, can you see, can you see yourself like hanging in where you are or do you have other things on your list that, um, you know, you're feeling like you need to do in the food world? No, this is, this, I feel like this is it. You know, I, as a matter of fact, I've given up all my catering in the last two years. I, you know, I had a few wineries that I would do and like Costa Brown and Share, a couple places like mm -hmm. West County. Good, good ones. <laughs> yeah, and um, and the Bohemian Grove for like twenty-one years. But no like, shit. Oh. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yes, yes, yes. Do you have any <laughs> <Yeah>. stories? <laughs> you gotta well, tell us yeah. some stories well, about yeah, crazy yeah. people. <laughs> yeah, and I, I can get to that. But the thing is, <laughs> I just feel the bar is enough for me that. I don't need to do anything else. I mean, it's weird right now, obviously. That yeah, yeah. less, but I'm... Yeah, but you're content. But a lot of things are less. My labor costs are way less now. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just me and this girl that works for me who stands at the door and hands the people the box of food, you know, and collects the money from that, and that's it. I don't... So I'm making it work for me, for sure. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I feel like, you know, we're it. Yeah. No, I'm not going there. Tell us stories because I'm getting, I don't want to go back to COVID. Okay. No, because, okay. Because Bohemian yeah. Grove, like I grew up like a conspiracy theory guy, like all through college. I remember my sister telling me that Alcatraz was actually an island that was anchored with these big chains. And it's not. <laughs> she used to, she used to row um, boats out on the bay and she would tell me that the current coming off the back of the island was weird, that it was more closely like a like you were behind a large ship than coming up on an island. And then there's supposedly some post office in the Bay Area that has this really old mural, and it shows Alcatraz outside of the Golden Gate Bridge. And so then people say that it kind of it's a big floating chunk of pumice that then oh got anchored down by these chains. And supposedly, like in 
1941, a Japanese submarine came in and clipped one of the chains or something. And they even said um, <laughs> pr prisoners on Alcatraz would say that at different times of the year, they could tell that they were closer or further away from the city. Like you could actually, you know, they're there every day. So obviously they see right. the same view. So mm. stuff like that, like always fascinated me. And then listening to Alex Jones, who's like this crazy guy on um, talk radio that just rants about um, random conspiracy stuff. And I don't know if any of it's true, but I remember him talking about Bohemian Grove and it totally fascinated me that this is like basically in our backyard, a little bit north of here, is this place where like these high powered people that, the you know, the, the, um, the what are the, the uh, trilateral commission sort of like people, you know, go there and, and do these weird rituals and wear robes and are, you know, so it always fascinated me. I think he kind of, he like broke in there one year and tried to do some videotaping, but 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 I I've never talked to anyone that's actually like been there. I've just heard all these crazy stories. Well, today's your day. I, I'm like I'm a pig in slop right now. <laughs> it, it's, yeah, you know I I hate to like bust your bubble. But... <laughs> <laughs> it's just regular guys. <laughs> you know what it is? It's kind of like old rich white guys that have gone to see who have like like a frat boy summer camp, basically. I mean, you do see in the world how things are like the powers that be and how things are intergenerational because there'll be like John Smith, the third or, or the fourth in junior. And you just see how things are just carried on from family member mm -hmm. to family member and all that kind of stuff that goes on. I'm sure that's everywhere in the world, right? But, for the most part, it's and not all Republicans, a fair, very, very, mostly Republicans mm -hmm. and conservatives. Um, mostly politicians? A lot of politicians, but it's interesting. The camp that I cooked at for 21 years is primarily doctors, but not doctors in the sense of where like a physician. Right. Like, the head of the CDC or the evil NFL doctors, or something like that, right? And and some winery owners and like people, just moneyed people from the city, for the most part, and a, and a couple guys from New York. But most of the guys in my camp, they're thirty-five to forty, were from say maybe like from Palo Alto to. Sonoma County. I mean, mostly all like Northern California guys. Mm -hmm. yeah. But um, I mean, you would you would see straight like things that you you like. I remember walking by a camp and I just look into the camp. It, it's a beautiful property. It's three thousand acres of like redwoods, and you're just in there. And I look and in all, all different camps. All I yeah, there's about three hundred camps. Right? Oh my god! So every yeah. camp could have its own chef. Yeah, and most do. I would say at least two-thirds have their own chef. And typically, I only cooked lunch. I didn't do breakfast or dinner because they all have a big dining circle where they eat breakfast. Mm. And a lot of them go back there for dinner, and then they have, like, their, their shows where they, like, dress and drag <laughs> and sing and, and have performances, right? I mean, what's cool is they do bring in a lot of really great 
musicians and, and um, writer and, and people just go there to give lectures and to play music. And I mean, you're at a camp and there's maybe like three guys, it was a while ago because he passed away, but like, like you're walking by a camp and you'll see Dave Brubeck playing a piano or something like that. You know? um, I remember walking by another camp and there's a mariachi band and David Rockefeller and Henry Kissinger are on stage like in like, like a yellow cardigan sweater with wearing big sombreros playing those things, what are they called? That you shake. The, the maca maca um, marachas. Marachas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maracas, yeah. yeah. Like stuff like, and you're just like, wait, did I just see that? Yeah. <laughs> um, I got in trouble once. I called George Bush pal. Oh. And I apparently, I was unloading a truck, and I don't know, I had on like, I don't know, black pants and a black t shirt, and some valet said, Would you like to meet the president? It wasn't the president at the time, you know, but the president. I was like, I'm kind of busy, you know, I'm, I'm catering, I'm in his <laughs> truck, right? And they're like, oh, I insist you meet him. And they're like, Mr. President, Mr. President, you know, can you meet our chef, right? And I'm wearing black, and he's like, I don't know. He's like, I don't know if I want to meet that guy. He's dressed all in black, you know, he looks like a villain, right? <laughs> we had on a black, like, navy cap, like something from some ship. And I was like, you're wearing a black cap, pal. A black and and I called him pal and they were all just like you you, you refer to him as Mr. President but <laughs> it was so crazy but he was actually a pretty nice guy you know he just like came over and we like chatted about food and another time I ran into him and he was the, he's like you know I'm always the first one up I I make the coffee in, in the morning before anyone gets up. So he's like, I think that's why everyone likes me. And then he, like, <laughs> but then he said something else. He's like, I think that's why I'm, I became president. I said, what do you mean? He's like, anytime someone died, I was the first one to send out a sympathy card. If a baby was born, that silver spoon from engraved spoon from Tiffany's came from my office. He's like, I thought, in life, correspondence was the most important thing he said to me. You know? So it was wow. kind of nice that he just like opened up. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. It's like 99% of people in the world, I'm totally opposed to their politics, right? right? And, but some of them were like really just nice when you talk. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Really beautifully mannered. And, and maybe monsters, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> like, but the same token, I don't know, you get to see the human side of people and their vulnerabilities sometimes when it's just like one on one like that. You know? That's what I love about, you know, I've seen a couple of podcasts when they had um, Tulsi Gabbard and uh, Bernie Sanders and um, Andrew Yang. It's like you see on television, you just get to see you know, the debate where it's 30 second answers to all that kind of crap. And it, it wasn't until I actually saw him sit down for two or three hours and just have a normal conversation one on one with someone where you go, oh, they're like an actual person, like a, right. instead of just this big head that you see on on TV. I think most people are like that. I think a lot of them just get caught up in the game. You get a, caught up in that that hamster wheel of Washington that I can't even imagine. I mean, I've only seen House of Cards, so I don't know uh, how much of that stuff is actually going on. But 
That's it funny. seems like, I mean, it, it seems like, you know, you do one thing wrong and then they just hold it over your head. And the next thing you know, you're, you know, you're doing basically whatever they tell you to do because they got some, some dirt on you or something. I don't know. Yeah. There's another guy there and I can't remember the agency. It's above the CIA. It's the national, they're, they're the real spooks. I don't know. There's some kind uh -huh. of lives. Um, but his name was Admiral Bobby Inman. I remember this guy. He's the guy who's like, could like get a drone to like drop a bomb on you guys. Oh my right? god. But I remember taking macaroons out of the oven and he was just like just went on and just told me this story about macaroons and his grandmother <laughs> and it was like all of a sudden he was like nine years old or something, you know? And it's like I mean you don't want to get in the crosshairs of that guy, but at the same time it's like, yeah. Maybe that's what that place is, you know, a place for people to kind of shed some of their stuff and yeah, and kind of let their hair down and just, yeah. you know, I mean, maybe it's good that places like that exist. So they are there women there yet? Nope. So weird. But here's the thing that's cool about the Grove that's changed. When I started there working like 20 years ago, I don't work there anymore. So I say 23 years ago. It was just like these dudes that were there and they would drink and hang out and whatever. And then maybe like seven, eight years ago, a guy says to me, Mark, I'd like to introduce you to my partner. This was one of the guys in the camp. And I'm just assuming like when he said partner, like business partner, right? But he meant it was his husband, right? And it's like, and to see that at the Grove, it's like, that's kind of big for there. You know? It was a shift. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe at this point, the Grove is in the latter part of the 19th or the early 20th century, <laughs> so it'll take them longer to come around. But yeah. it, there is incremental change that happens. I think... And I know, I, like, to the man, that every guy that I ever met at the Grove, and, and like I say, I've been out of there for three years, no one likes Trump. They cannot, and they're <laughs> embarrassed by, and yeah. I mean, it is a lot of more kind of like, uh, what do you call, it? what was his name? George's brother. George, what is George? Bush's um, oh, shoot. Jeb, Jeb Bush. Yeah. They're kind of like, the Grove is a lot of like Jeb Bush Republicans. They're <laughs> like, oh, can I get you a glass of Chardonnay? You know, I mean, that kind of. Republican. I mean, there, I'm sure there's the other types that are there too. That I, I, I've never dealt with those because I pretty much dealt with my camp, so I can't speak for all three thousand guys that are there. Um, probably real bastards in there too. But what is my point? Um, I think I would say for them talking to you, they're you know, you're kind of looking at them like some powerful person, but they're probably looking at you like, God, wouldn't it be nice to be a chef that's making macaroons? <laughs> I, <laughs> well, you know, it, it was so sweet when I finally stopped working there. Every, sing, I got, every guy that was a member of the camp, like sent me emails or like wrote letters to me just thanking me for all the time that I spent there and and brought up different stories that happened over the years or, or meals that they had absolutely no record I don't know what I cooked yesterday right right just telling me all these different things and that's kind of sweet 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> I mean, who knows? next year I'm out front protesting. I, I don't know. <laughs> my experience there was overall. I, um, so I'm here, the restaurant's 23 years old, and then I've been in Sonoma, I think 28 years, 27, 28 years. I worked for a very short, short time for Lisa Hemingway. Okay. You know, Lisa I and know Michael. Lisa. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But I remember, like, they would, I think Lisa's husband was a pilot, and they would fly in and land there when she would do stuff because they let women cook there right no women no i mean women are allowed just to the dining circle there's two days a year that women are actually allowed only that are allowed on the property and that is like this one kind of like family day what they have you know uh -huh. like i take that back there are 17 days a year that women are not allowed, except for the dining circle, onto the property, right? That's when they have the encampment. The rest of the year, if you're a member, let's say, and the camp isn't open and you wanna have a party, you could have your family on the property, but not when anything is going on there. You know? right. so there's really only, that, that the place is actually active is the 17 day encampment, this thing in the spring, another thing in the fall, and maybe two other days. So not even a month's worth of time is the Grove actually open. There's the Bohemian Club in San Francisco that goes all year. Okay. But the other place is just, uh, it's like three weeks in July, basically. Wow. Yeah. So wild. And Mark, when, when you guys, when, like under normal circumstances at Casino Bar and Grill, do you have locals that like, you know, you're going to see that family or that guy like every Friday or every Saturday or that? Yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny because we're talking about the social distancing. We don't even have mostly chairs in the dining room. We just have long benches. Uh -huh. and I know that every Saturday night, I have to set up a 17 top that comes like clockwork every wow. 17 top yeah and they're all like people that bodega they, you know that area west county used to have a lot of communes and now they're like intentional communities i guess you call them so a lot of people still live there but there's this like group that come like anywhere it's 17 it's set for sometimes it's 16 sometimes it's 20 right but yeah i get that i get a i would say it's about a good 50 more than that at this point of just people that just come every week what how can you turn out a 17 top because <laughs> i don't have like for the most part i usually only have like two apps two entrees one dessert you know so mm -hmm. it's not really that okay. i mean i have food it's so funny like people are sitting at the bar poor people are sitting there with their drink and I'm like laying out plates, like right there, like trying to, you know, get the food out. I, I don't, yeah. I recently got a, one of those like half speed racks, you know? Right. It made like a huge difference. Yeah. Where like I could pre plate first courses, you know, mm -hmm. too. But yeah. <laughs> Just make it happen. I think there's something really nice about that. I just, um, 
you know, the structure isn't quite as tight, you know, like we're live by our manual, do stuff by, you know, by the book. And there's something very freeing listening to just kind of creating your day, making things happen, getting it done. Yeah. I don't know if I could ever go back into like a, I doubt like a it. Structured environment. I, I don't, yeah, I don't think I could. Yeah. No. yeah. No, I know. I don't think I can either, but I think our, my life is about to get really structured mm. with all this stuff. Um, yeah. Well, it reminds me, Sandra, when my wife and I went to um, Italy some of, on our honeymoon, some of our favorite spots were like, you know, it, the Casino Bar and Grill kind of, it, to me, it's like European style where like you, the chalkboard is going to be what we're having and those you know, those are a lot of times your favorite spots when you go to France or Italy or Spain is where they have this stuff written down on the chalkboard. It's not like a menu that's laminated that's on the table all the time. It's like, this is what we are, this is what we got today or this morning, this looked really good. And so this is what we're going to serve. And yeah, there's something that's so cool about that. And, you know, the, and you sell out, you just kind of wipe the chalkboard, you cross that one off. Yeah. <laughs> you know? My friend told me he was in years ago, he was in Cinque Terre, and he asked the waiter what was on the menu, and he just pointed to the water. I mean, there wasn't even. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. My daughter, my daughter was in Cambodia, and she was at a restaurant, and the she she asked the woman, you know, about a menu, and she just was like, "Well, how hungry are you?" And and that was it. You got as much food determined on how hungry you right yeah yeah those those are fun i had one of those in mexico city that was really cool i only wish i had money that day <laughs> because i didn't have any money and they didn't take credit cards so i had to stop ordering food and i was you know so oh my god excuse me i have to move the computer because it's not plugged in and it's gonna like oh um, die well, we can wipe. Or... Hmm? Okay, I'll be right back. Good. Now I'm coming. <laughs> I think he's running out of running out of juice. Juice. Yeah. Hi. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's there we okay. Go. <laughs> Um, this doesn't, we don't air the video. Oh, yeah, it's just the audio. Um, yeah, where was the last place that you traveled to? Um, I haven't been anywhere in a long time, to tell you the truth. We go to Portland a lot. Oh, my daughter lives there, and it, it, that is such a great food town, by the mm -hmm. way. I haven't been there in years. Oh my God. Um, really, 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 like, it seems like it's a town of overachievers in a way. It's like one place is better than the next. You mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Well, I'm going to put it on my bucket list. Yeah. 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 Sure. Oh, Portland's so, cool, Sandra. Yeah, the I coast is cool if you you know drive yeah. out to like um what is it lincoln city and you kind of mm -hmm. drive through all the whole forest and mm. and then get out there on the coast is really cool i'm gonna make a point i wrote it down good place to drive right now 
Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, where do people find you? Like, what, get, let's um, let everybody know your hours and... Okay, so it's the Casino Bar and Grill. It's in the town of Bodega, not Bodega Bay. It's that little town like five miles east of the ocean, mm-hmm. in between Sebastopol and Bodega. Um, 17,000 Bodega Highway. I post the menu on the Casino Facebook page and my Instagram page. And yeah, that's pretty much it. And uh, then on, I think on- and I, You know what, I can't even give you an open time. It's yeah. just so over the map. <laughs> oh, I love like, that. Last week I was opening it three and then on the weekend i opened at noon well, yeah you started burgers at noon i think yeah, oh yeah. God, it's so crazy i was selling like a hundred burgers a day Holy wow crap. wow yeah, wow. yeah. um so are people just like are they coming out to see you are people driving from sebastopol and santa rosa and petaluma and stuff and and coming to to get food on the, on yeah. the weekends. Yeah. yeah, I mean, absolutely. That hasn't, you know, knock on wood, that hasn't changed. You know? Yeah, that's uh, great. Yeah. And it's such a great drive. Yeah. It is, it really is. You know, I, I'm spoiled. I, I, you know, I drive that drive, you know, I'm in Petaluma and I just drive out, you know, the Vega Highway. And, yeah. And then I, I have to be reminded sometimes, like my commute is pretty cool. I know. Yeah. 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 I used to work at Deschmere that was right outside of Petaluma, heading out on Bodega Highway, heading out of town. And you know, that I was- I tried to buy Deschmere a few years back. I hired a contractor and everything. You know, oh, like, wow. I love that location. It, you know, that kitchen, like right in the middle of the dining room and everything. Um, that's, that's where I learned yeah, to cook. <laughs> that's, that was such a great space. They, yeah. it's it's turned into a uh they make pickles there now there's no uh, other restaurant uh, or anything uh, yeah that's too bad it was such a cool spot because it, it was like mark was talking about where you get a lot of dairy farmers and um mm-hmm. you know the um you'd see the benedettis the gambaninis the antoninis the dulcinis mm-hmm. and, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and they'd come in i remember them ordering um they'd say, we'll get a bottle of that closed Bois Chardonnay. Yeah. <laughs> and you never wanted to say, you mean Clos de Bois? <laughs> These are like mm-hmm. big dairy farmer guys. So then you'd bring it back and go, here's your closed de Bois Chardonnay, sir. Yep, yep, yep. I, yeah, I got all those guys out of the <laughs> Yeah, I bet. All, all right. right. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you for taking the time. I can't oh, wait absolutely. to come, come out there. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, know, thank you guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thank All right, you. Cool. All yeah, right. Sandra, I think we should take a trip and go eat in the parking lot one weekend. Yeah, okay. come out. Yeah, perfect. Cool. With our masks. Well, we'll wait and see when it got some. Yeah. I know, like you said, the rabbit it looks really, that looked really cool. And um, yeah, sometimes you just see something on the menu and you're like, ah. And are, are, do you do oysters pretty much every weekend or is there like every, a. Every. Yeah, every Saturdays and Sundays. Yeah. Okay. During the, from like twelve to five or so. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Cool. cool. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. We do appreciate it. Uh, thank you for everything you're doing out there. Yeah. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah. yeah. Seriously.
All right. And if you want to go see some past episodes of uh, The Bike Goes On, you can always go to our website, thebikegoeson.com. You can also go to Radio Misfits and check us out there as well. Sandra, always a pleasure. Always good to see you. (laughs) Hopefully in person soon. Oh, I know. I know. Starting to go a little nuts because I'm not like you guys. I'm not actually doing any working. I've just been in the house. You know, when you're a mate, when you're a sommelier, you know, you kind of get treated like you're important sometimes by some people <laughs> like, oh, this guy, like he knows stuff we don't know. And, and, you know, people are always glad to see you. My family is not happy to see me. Like <laughs> it's like, I think we're so tired of each other at this point. I can't wait to get back to work just to, just to feel important. <laughs> to make them happy. Yeah, totally. Oh. All right, guys. All right. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll look forward to talking to you next week.